Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Intuitive Bites podcast. For the episode today, I got a chance to chat with Kimmy Singh. This was actually our second time trying to record this episode. The first time it got lost in the abyss because somehow I lost the recording. I'm not really sure, but thankfully um, we were on the ball for this, this second recording and I'm really excited to share this one with you. So we got a chance to review a little bit about how Kimmy got into dietetics, which is a bit of a unique journey. So that was fun to talk about. Um, but we also got a chance to talk about um, basically how thinner providers can work with those in larger bodies Um, despite not having that lived experience of living in a larger body in our culture. Um, So Kimmy gave us uh, her perspective on that. Um, But also something that I I wanted to chat with Kimmy about that you guys are going to get to hear today um, was the fact that the intuitive eating, health at every size, anti-diet movement, particularly on social media, but really just in general, um, has kind of come to be run at the higher level by thinner people, right? Thin, white uh, women. And of course, this is ironic considering that, you know, the the purpose behind the movement um, is really to challenge the oppression um, that fat people are experiencing. So Kimmy and I got a chance to talk about that. And uh, it was really just uh, mind-boggling, I don't even know the term, uh, but the things that she brought to the table and, and talked about in this conversation were really helpful, and I think you guys are going to find them really interesting as well. Um, and even beyond that, what I wanted to ask her about was her thoughts on you know, how people in thinner bodies who are working in this space can elevate the work of those in more marginalized bodies. Um, so we, we chat about that a little bit as well. And then finally, Kimmy has experience working with PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, so I got a chance to ask her a little bit about that and just, um, yeah, get her, her perspective on some of the misconceptions around, around that condition. So another good episode to share with you guys. Um, before I go ahead and and dive into my conversation uh, with Kimmy, just want to let you guys know that I do have four courses available right now, online courses. Um, You can find them on my website, theintuitiverd.com, or the link in my bio will bring you there as well. Um, But I have an intro to intuitive eating course, so really just standard, going through the principles, um, talking about how to apply them. I also have an intuitive eating after weight loss surgery course. Um, I have history, you know, working in that space prior to learning about health at every size and intuitive eating. Um, and I'm really passionate about helping people who 
have been through that surgery heal their relationship to food through this approach. So that course is kind of a, a bit of a mini course, um, but it, it really is targeted to that audience. I also have a uh, Food Freedom 101 course, which goes through all things health at every size, body image, and intuitive eating. So it's much is much more comprehensive um, of a course. And then my final course, which was just released, um, is the anti-diet approach for professionals. And I also had uh, Brianna Campos, who you may know as Body Image with Brie, uh, come on and help me with that course. So she did the body image portion. Uh, but we also talk about, you know, or I also talk about intuitive eating, health at every size, and really from the lens of like, what is it? What are the concepts? But also like, how can you use those concepts to work with clients and patients? Um, so those are the courses I currently have available. So I just want to let you guys know that. Um, what else am I forgetting? I think I got it all. Uh, if, I, if I remember anything else, I'll tell you guys after the episode. Um, so let's go ahead and listen into my conversation with Kimmy. All right, Kimmy, we are good to go. I'm like super excited right now because it's been a while since I've recorded a podcast. <laughs> I'm like super excited to chat with you. Um, but thank you for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. And I'm honored to be the first one you're recording with after a little break. <laughs> Yay, yeah, good. I'm super excited. So I would love to just start by you telling me a little bit about um, your path to becoming a dietitian. Um, we actually, we had a, for listeners, uh, just to understand, we had a conversation very similar to this, not too, actually, it, I guess it's been several months ago now, yeah. um, but we ended up losing the podcast or the episode to the abyss because I misplaced it. But, um, so I would love for you to just run through and tell me again, um, about a little bit about your journey. Um, and I, yeah, I'm excited to hear you say it to me again. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I'm happy, happy to share it again. Um, yeah. So I finished my undergraduate degree in physics and I was planning on pursuing a career in engineering. And after finishing my undergrad, I started eating disorder treatment and yeah, I re- and I was also, yeah, I was just in this place of contemplating like, is this how I want to spend the rest of my life? And, um, specifically around my career choice. And throughout treatment, I was like, oh, wow, Um, I didn't realize there was this different approach to look at food and body. And as I learned more and more, I thought, okay, I would love to dedicate my my career to this. And I felt very passionate about it. And so that's when I decided to become a dietitian. And I like, yeah, I like to mention that because most of my mentors and dietitians I know that are Hayes, they learned about it after the fact. And so I went into studying nutrition and dietetics, learning like after knowing about haze for the most part and also after knowing about intuitive eating. Which is so interesting too, because, um, you know, I don't know, like knowing all of that, like, I feel like it puts you in a, a, I don't know if it's a more difficult position, but like kind of being at odds maybe with some of the information that's coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you feel that way? Or like, did you feel like the program you were in was really supportive and like understood (laughs) um no I felt (laughs) I felt the former um it was yeah it was really stressful because it was um just sort of this weight normative um fat phobic approach to health where yeah and so I went into it knowing like yeah this isn't going to be an intuitive eating training and I was warned by people I know like yeah it's not going to be that so going into it my guard was up 
And, but I would say like sitting in those classrooms and really feeling like, um, yeah, like they're discussing my body without talking to me about it or without having conversations about weight stigma. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like discussing people, people who have similar body sizes to me without like, while they're being thin and not acknowledging their privilege, it was really exhausting and it was a lot to sit through. (laughs) Um, And that being said, I always like to name that I feel like about halfway through, I got more and more vocal about just like my views and about weight stigma. And I spoke with professors about it more. And there were folks, like there were professors who were very supportive and understanding and wanting to learn more about my experiences to make the program safer. And yeah, I felt like towards the the end, like they, they made a lot of changes and I can definitely say they're trying their best to make it a better environment. That's, that's really good to hear. That's yeah. a pretty, pretty great outcome. Absolutely. And I, and I, yeah, I like to always mention both parts to this story because sometimes when I meet dietitians to be, they, they, they sort of say it and they say it with so much guilt, like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad. I'm sitting in these classrooms and I can't always say something. And I'm always like, oh my gosh, like it was, I was not in every classroom saying, oh my gosh, you guys are, you're wrong. And this yeah. is really fat phobic. It, it took so much emotional energies just to show up some days and to sit through the classroom and take my notes and be able to regurgitate this fat phobic stuff for tests. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think people don't realize how exhausting it is to know about haze and intuitive eating while studying from this paradigm. And on top of that, to do it while being in a larger body, it just adds all the more stress. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And it, it makes me think of as well, um, I don't know how if you kind of can see this translation, but like just even knowing about haze and intuitive eating and like diet culture and like being kind of eyes open to that existing in the world in general or like being in an office or being Mm -hmm. in an environment where everyone around you kind of is operating under that that diet culture lens or whatever like Mm -hmm. that in and of itself can can feel really exhausting too oh yeah absolutely I think it could almost feel like the twilight zone of like wait people are still going on diet <laughs> and then you know with dietitians um now it's really popular to be anti-diet and to be against diets so there are so many people that I heard that I was studying with who were like yeah very against diets in one um in one moment and then the next moment say how they would pr- like support reduced calorie intake and all of that so just you know like having a different definition yeah. of what is diet culture when people are less familiar with haze totally and i can't so i'm totally like in the boat of like when i was in school like i didn't know about intuitive eating or haze at all but at the same time i can totally connect with what you're saying of like i was one of those people forever that was like well diets don't work like why is everyone doing all these diets mm-hmm. like kind of rolling my eyes like whatever but then <laughs> I was, you know, again, like yeah. around and doing that, like, okay, but now let's calculate like how many calories you should be yeah. eating. Like, uh, and again, that was just operate operating under what I was being taught, but it's mm-hmm. mind boggling now how I didn't, you know, you don't see that connection that, the, oh wait, that's the same exact thing as all of these other diets. <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's such a, it's a really common experience for dietetic students. Um, yeah, it is. You know, it's, it's, it's really funny. And it, I mean, if you think about it, like diet is really the name of our profession, so it's the uncoupling of diets from dietetics is going to take some time. Yes. Oh my God. Someone needs to like coin that whole thing and like put it, use it somewhere. Cause seriously. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay, Kimmy. So we have like several kind of a little bit scattered things to chat about, but I'm really excited to just kind of hear your thoughts on these things and yeah, just discuss a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first thing is I know that you've done some work around PCOS. So basically I just want to throw it out there to like, yeah, maybe explain a little bit about what it is and like what you wish people knew about uh, PCOS. Um, yeah, so PCOS is a syndrome where people are diagnosed by um, sort of their experiences around having cysts on their ovaries or like higher levels of um, androgens and then all, or also like ov- an ovulation, so not, not ov- ovulating regularly, so irregular periods. And so you need two out of three of those experiences to be diagnosed with PCOS. And so I feel like um, Hayes and PCOS, like the overlap is really important. Don't get me wrong, Hayes is important in general. <laughs> but but um, PCOS is being treated with really, really fat phobic methods around um, re- like not only reduced calorie intake, but like recommendations to like avoid carbs at all costs. And this is sort of the go-to thing that's being told at doctor's offices by dietitians. And so what I've learned like through my mentorship with Julie Duffy Dillon is that what actually happens when people with PCOS um, try to cut down their carb intake is that um, their body reacts to it in a really harmful way. And also mentally they're, they're more susceptible to developing eating disorders and more susceptible to having higher carbon um, carb cravings because they're already struggling oftentimes with insulin resistance. So it sort of creates like a perfect storm uh, of causing like weight cycling, um, struggling more with eating disorders and having this poor relationship with body image when you consider some of the other symptoms such as like increased weight around the abdomen or like um, facial hair, thinning hair in the head. Yeah, just um, these other things that a lot of people don't want to experience. Right. Yeah, I think it's so wild the way that it, you know, basically it seems like the most common treatment method that's being used for PCOS is directly causing like a worsening of the condition, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's totally, completely backfiring. Exactly. And then people with PCOS, like they really feel at blame. There's this misconception that they cause it. That's not the case. And so on top of that, they're just feeling really oftentimes out of control around food and like frustration towards their body. And so when I think of all the terrible things that people experience around body image and dieting, I just see it like multiply time a million when you also have this genetic component that <laughs> that makes it like all the more of an uphill battle. And I say that and I'm not trying to discount anyone else's experience. I'm just saying that, yeah, there are some unique circumstances that um, create this real perfect storm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Um, and I feel like PCOS too, like that's another thing that like, I am kind of baffled how I don't think I ever, maybe it was like mentioned slightly somewhere mm-hmm. in a class in my dietetics program, but like, you know, I was went through six years of schooling in nutrition and like barely yeah. ever talked about it. 
Oh, yeah, same. I think um, I was lucky enough that we had a full lecture devoted to it. <laughs> and and I, when I say that, like when I tell other dietitians that they're like genuinely very surprised that I got that much time. Yeah. But um, yeah, if I remember correctly, the conversation was mostly around weight loss. And um, yeah, it, it, unfortunately, it wasn't very nuanced. And then that was earlier on in my program. And then towards the end, um, when it was discussed, I was able to share more information from what I've learned through being mentored by Julie. Yeah. You, you know, another thing I think of too is like the couple of situations I can think of in my career or in undergrad or whatever that I did hear about PCOS, it was framed, at least I, I interpreted it as being framed as like, you know, being in a larger body causes it, right? Like, Mm-hmm. which I don't think, I don't think that, that that's an accurate way of framing it. Yeah, no, not at all. So the, from what it's understood right now is that there's sort of a combination of genetic and environmental factors. And so, yeah, if you have PCOS, like a lot, there's a really miscon- big misconception that a, your a weight change or weight gain may have caused it. But in reality, a lot of people with PCOS actually have relatives um, that have it like a, an aunt or a mother or cousin or sister. And so the, even those that don't, we understand that environmentally, think, things that are changing over time in our environment are also factors in the change in people having PCOS, even when there's not a genetic component in, for that person. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah, and I'm hoping that over time. Oh, sorry, what were you saying? I was just going to say, I hope there's like a lot more research to come. Yes, I I was just about to say the same thing. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And I, yeah, I'm very curious about what we don't know. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to ask you towards the end of the episode to just kind of like share any resources that you have or just in general, but um, I'm just kind of putting a pin in, like, I'm going to ask you about any PCOS resources. Uh, But I want to kind of transition now to another conversation topic. Um, And that is basically, you know, I know that there's a lot of practitioners out there, thin practitioners um, that are, want to be supporting people on larger bodies. and yet they feel like that, you know, there's some kind of barrier there, um, obviously, like not having that lived experience. Um, so I guess like, I'm, I'm just curious on your thoughts on that, like any thoughts on like how um, someone in a thinner body, a practitioner in a thinner body can support someone in a larger body? Yeah, gosh, I think that the first step is really being able to name that you don't know what someone's going through and you don't have the lived experience. And I say that because like now that I am a fat provider, I have folks that are in larger bodies who seek me out to work with me. And they don't, ex- they don't tell me that all thin providers don't understand them, but oftentimes they'll have an experience or a particular provider that made them feel like they weren't being heard or made them feel like they were questioning their experiences. And so there is this really common worry that I hear amongst people that I consult that are, that are thin dietitians that want to learn more where they're like, okay, I don't, I don't know if how I'm going to get a client to trust me or to open up to me when they know that I haven't experienced this. And I always say, it's not about if you've experienced or not, you, if you've experienced it or not, it's about if you're able to really listen to, to them and really be with them in that moment. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, because I think just in general, that is maybe it's just, it's just kind of a human thing to kind of want to jump to 
Mm -hmm. maybe even just like the solution or like the, this is what you should do, or this is how I'm perceiving things or whatever, but to like kind of step back and like, you're saying like hold space for their experience and actually go off of that. Like that's, that's a difficult, I think, counseling skill yeah. in general to, to, to uh, learn. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I mean, and I'm not an expert on the brain or anything, but from what I understand, our brain is really good at categorizing things based on our own experiences and what we're familiar with. So if you don't know a lot about um, what fat people experience, it might naturally be really hard for you to be able to believe it or to be able to empathize with it in that moment. Yeah, not to mention, obviously, like we live in a culture that has very deeply embedded um, assumptions about you know, people living in, in larger bodies. So it's mm -hmm. like, even you might not even entirely be aware of some of those things that you're kind of making assumptions about, which is what mm -hmm. the work is about. And, you know, why like listening, you know, can be so helpful and kind of reframing some of that stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think like a lot of dietitians are great at re-examining their biases around food decisions and movement and lifestyle in those places. But then, um, yeah, other other aspects of the fat experience, such as like dating, um, relationships, or just going to the store, going on an airplane. Like there are so many other parts of life that are different when you're in a larger body. And so sometimes there are just so many assumptions made and people don't realize how much harm it's causing when those assumptions are made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, another thing I'm, I'm kind of curious to, to ask you about is you know, something I've heard talked about from um, some of the Hayes folks that are in larger bodies is, I don't know how to frame it exactly, but like basically just commenting on the fact that kind of the face of the Hayes and intuitive eating movement, particularly on social media, mm -hmm. has become, you know, the thinner and white and, you know, cisgender and all, all those types of things. Um, mm -hmm. Women, instead of, you know, kind of elevating the marginalized people and it's, so it's, it's kind of totally um what's the like it's just contradictory I guess but but so I guess with that in mind what are your thoughts on like how a thinner practitioner or someone who fits that kind of mold can kind of support and elevate the work of more mar marginalized people in this space Oh, Kirsten, that's such a good question. Um, yeah, I, I really appreciate you naming that because, um, yeah, I like to I like to also mention typically that if we think of health at every size and how it's progressed, like since earlier two thousands to where it is now, you really do have folks that aren't fat that are sort of the leaders in these in the professional realms, right? Yeah, and so. Okay, that's great. And I'm so thankful for every single person's work in doing it. Mm -hmm. And when we put it in the context of other social movements, like if we're thinking about feminism, I wonder how feminism would be different if the majority of the feminist movement was um, sort of put forward by men. Right. And, and same like with racism and if white people were sort of dominating the conversations. And so, um, yeah, as much as we can do to really shift power to the people that are actually fat, that are actually having these lived experiences where they're being marginalized, that's where the money's at. That's where the change is going to happen. I always wonder like how Hayes would be different yeah. If it wasn't, then people that were sort of at the forefront. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's ironic, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's like exactly what, 
what everyone's saying, you know, is not okay. And like the, the oppression that's not okay that we're trying to work against. And yet mm-hmm. it's showing up in a really like blatant way in within exactly. the movement. Exactly. Yeah. And so one thing I always recommend is like when asking for speakers on weight stigma, when speaking on weight stigma, I think it's really important to reflect if you're really the best one to speak on it. Is it something that connects to your lived experience? Um, how is this affecting your platform? Are you gaining popularity or status or professional like um, promotion by speaking on this? And if you are, what are you doing to shift the power to people who actually are affected by this? Yeah, that's so helpful. I think, um, you know, yeah, I have to say, like, I'm thinking about like my experiences. Um, and because I, I know that like, one thing, of course, that can be helpful is like, if, if you get an opportunity for something like, like you're saying, like, mm-hmm. trying to shift it to somebody who would be, you know, that isn't a marginalized body, or that would be better to speak on that topic or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm just thinking like, sometimes I'm thinking of particular situations that I've been in and I'm like will they just pass it up like will they will they do will they take my recommendation or whatever you know I don't know it's mm-hmm. I guess I'm just thinking it through as we're talking but oh I, yeah. yeah but I, I guess like yeah no I mean it, it makes perfect sense and I think that that's those are the kinds of things that we need to try to do right even if it doesn't pan out we need to be like living the message that way by making those choices exactly and I honestly I know folks who are thin who have given that recommendation when they've been asked to speak on something that didn't apply to their lived experience and I know situations where it panned out and they went to the person that was fat and I know other situations where they were completely dismissive and just asked another thin person yeah that's that's kind of thinking yeah 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 and um I know like I know it's really difficult and I I think that if they ran out of thin people to ask because thin people were saying no yes. I think it would be a different story <laughs> yes yeah. yeah um yeah and I, I also think like aside from that which and thank you for bringing up that example I think it's really important to pay fat people for supervision and consulting um, if you're learning about body image and haze from only folks that are thin, if you're only being mentored from folks that are thin, then naturally you're missing a piece of the puzzle. And it's, yeah, it's not your fault, but it's just a natural blind spot when it's not somebody's lived experience. Yes, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're missing like a giant piece of the puzzle there. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super helpful. Um, you know, this is something that I think is uh, small, but something that I, I feel like I've tried to do as well is like even just on social media like the the things that I share like I'm really mindful because I feel like even at times I find myself like you know kind of only reposting kind of things from people in you know kind of those thinner bodies and I mm-hmm. and I catch myself and I'm like why is this happening is it because I'm only seeing their content on my feed for some reason I like I don't even know but like I kind of really intentionally take a step outside of that and I I don't know. And I, and I make sure that I go like, you know, what is it like when you can follow someone's content to make sure that it like shows up on their, your feed or whatever, mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, to kind of intentionally do that as well. 
Yeah, I think that's so great. And it's so important. And then if you if someone finds that when they're encountering encountering the content of someone that's fat, and they're feeling uncomfortable by it, you know, they're, they're noticing that it is really a different style. If someone's talking about what they're going through, and they're feeling the anger of it. Um, yeah, like I would encourage people to really acknowledge that discomfort and not run away from it. Because I think that would be a great area of where they have room to grow. Yeah, I, I love that you say that because I've totally, I yeah, I've totally felt that discomfort myself too. And, and I, yeah. yeah, and like to be able to like that advice of just like notice the discomfort and like allow yourself to sit in it rather than getting defensive or unfollowing mm-hmm. or running, you know, because that's, that's the, where the work, you know, that's where the work needs to happen. Yes, exactly. And I, I've noticed it too, especially in areas where I'm not, where I have privilege. Um, and I feel like earlier on, it was really easy for me to become defensive and really run away from it. Yeah. And then later when I learned how just perception, my perceptions influenced by my privilege and how it makes me think other people's anger is irrational or over the top. Um, yeah, it just sort of became this pattern that I noticed, you know, whenever somebody's privileged and sort of naming like, yeah, I don't understand why this person's saying that or that's mm-hmm. not appropriate because it's, you know, not quote unquote professional. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just, I think that's just more and more cases of when perception is affected by privilege. Yeah, I'm so glad that you brought that up. Thank you for sharing all of that. I'm super excited for, for more people to hear this. Is there anything else you wanted to add to this piece before I jump on uh, forward? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I, I really think it's important for people to um, explore what it means to be a fat positive provider and sort of explore that in comparison to um, focusing on like all the bodies are good bodies type of messaging. And I'm, I'm not saying that those messages are inherently harmful or anything, but I think that, is very similar to when people respond to like Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. Um, it's just sort of a way to shift the focus away from the people that are taking the brunt of the the harm and oppression in this movement. Wow, that just like that blew my mind. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Ooh, that's that's really good. Wait, so so what is your perspective on so like? I don't know. I guess I'd like to hear a little bit more about like what you would hope to be, you know, to see it instead of that. Yeah. So I think that like explicitly saying that you're against fat phobia or that you are fat positive yeah. is a way to name that you're intentionally aligned with making the world safer for fat people because th- that is the greater issue at hand. That's, yeah. that, you know, like why the world isn't inherently body positive. And so um, it's really easy to say like all bodies are beautiful instead of saying like I am fat positive and I'm against fat phobia because it's so much more palatable to the general public. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's great. No problem. Um, Kimmy, so I, I'm taking the pin out of my previous thing about, um, sharing any resources that you know of or have yourself related to PCOS, but also just like, in addition, like any other resources or offerings or things that you have for people. Oh gosh. Okay. So, um, (laughs) for PCOS, Julie Duffield and I co-hosted a podcast called the PCOS and food peace podcast. So if you, um, yeah, want to learn more about body image and PCOS, it's great. We interviewed tons of amazing people like in the fat positive community who have PCOS. 
Um, yeah, and if you want to work with me, I'm a dietitian here in New York City. I work with folks with eating disorders or just folks who want to improve their relationship with food and body. Um, I also offer consulting to professionals who want to learn how to make work more inclusive. And you can learn more about me at bodypositivedietitian.com or on Instagram at bodypositive underscore dietitian. Awesome. Yay. And do you do any virtual work, whether it's consult the consulting work or yes. clients? Okay. I do. I do. Yeah. I do consulting virtually oftentimes. And then um, for my clients for eating disorders, disordered eating, it really depends on what they need and um, if I feel like it would be a good fit virtually, but just feel free to reach out if you want to talk about that. We can set up a free phone consultation. I'd love to see if we'd be a good fit. Awesome. And also I took a uh, a look at your website earlier today. First of all, I love all of like the branding stuff that you got going on. It's so <laughs> you. Be- like it's just beautiful. Um, but also, I saw that you like you're you kind of have a section for you know speaking on there. Yes. Oh my God. Yes, I love public speaking. I present on weight stigma, and I also present on PCOS. So those are my two favorite things to talk about. <laughs> and I love to lead panels and discussions about these really complicated topics. And also, thank you so much for the compliment on my website. It's it was <laughs> such a yeah such a time intensive labor intensive process. Oh well, it totally worked out. It paid off. It's amazing. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you again you. so much, Kimmy. No problem, Kirsten. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode 54. To hear more from Kimmy, you can check her out on Instagram at bodypositive underscore dietitian or go to her website, bodypositivedietitian.com. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you're interested in checking out one of my courses, um, go to my website, theintuitiverd.com or just clink, clink. <laughs> click the link in my bio um, and you can easily find it through there. Um, I hope you guys are having a good weekend and I will talk to you really soon.